Welcome to the Dead Lady Show podcast. I'm Susan Stone. The Dead Lady Show celebrates forgotten and also possibly quite infamous women who achieved amazing things against all odds while they were alive. The show is recorded in front of a delightful audience in Berlin, and here on the podcast, we bring you a special selection of talks from these events. This episode is part of a series we're calling Frankenfrauen. To mark the 100th anniversary of the publication of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, we're presenting the stories of four women connected in some way to that iconic Gothic book, which is also considered the first science fiction novel. So, to our creation. In this short series, you'll also get to hear a bit of Dead Lady Show co-founders Katie Darbyshire and Florian Dowsens and their elements, introducing the show live on stage at Akud in Berlin. And they'll be joining me again in the last episode of this miniseries for a chat to wrap things up. This series is coordinated with a Bard College Berlin project on Frankenstein, and there were lots of students and faculty in our audience at the show. In this episode, Ada Lovelace. Here's Florian to introduce our speaker from the stage at a Kud. We will go to Ada Lovelace, and to present Ada Lovelace is the wonderful uh, Laura Scuriati from BCB. She's a professor of English and comparative literature. Uh, her book on Mina Loy is coming out in the spring, and she's currently working on a project on collaborative autobiography, which is very ex- Any ideas? <laughs> I had to think. LSB Toklas? Hey. Anyway, I'm so excited she's here. Please give it up for Laura Scuriati. Thank you, Florian and Katie, for inviting me and having me here. I hope I don't gesticulate too much. I know I have to keep quiet and not be too Italian. Uh, so, hang on, where is it? There. So, um, my dead lady tonight is Augusta, Ada, Byron, King, Countess of Lovelace, and known by everybody, and also that's how she liked to call herself, Ada Lovelace. But she was also known as the Enchantress of Numbers, Youthful Fairy, and the Bride of Science. (laughs) And all of these names were given to her by her friends, and they speak volumes, but I don't have time to speak all those volumes, but you'll see what I mean. So, Ada was a mathematician, a visionary, uh, an accomplished horse rider, and arguably the first computer programmer when computer programmers didn't exist and where computers looked like this. And this might be another case for a dead lady show. Uh, So computers were human. So this is a plaque for Mary Edwards who collaborated to the Longitude Project and she drafted long logarithmic tables for the Royal Observatory in Greenwich. She, her work was not recognized. People thought it was a husband. So when her husband died, actually she had to plead the observatory to keep uh, giving her work because she had to keep the family. So anyway, that's what computers were. They were people producing for months or even years of their lives, logarithmic tables. And 
I work on literature, so if there are any mathematicians here, sorry. I mean, I'm, it's probably an insult, but try and bear with me. Um, so the problem with these was that they were full of mistakes and it took ages to make them. And that's where Ada's imagination stepped in, but later. So um, to say that Ada was born in a kind of dysfunctional family is to actually revel in euphemism. Uh, these are mom and dad. Uh, mom was uh, Annabella Milbank, Lady Byron, and dad was the swashbuckling poet, mad, bad, and dangerous Byron. Uh, but Ada actually almost never met him because Annabella, one month after Ada was born, decided to actually leave the family house and ran away back to her parents uh, in the north of England near Newcastle. And I have a couple of anecdotes about Ada's birth that might explain, if you don't know Byron, why she might have wanted to flee so badly. So apparently when Annabella was upstairs giving birth in the middle of labor, Byron was raging downstairs and apparently he actually uh, smashed a lot of bottles with a sword. And when his friends asked him why, he said, oh, oh, I actually was trying to see how I could open bottles without pulling the cork. And when the baby was presented to him, he addressed her by saying, oh, what an instrument of torture I've acquired in you. So Annabella left and never came back. And Byron also left England leaving behind a trail of broken hearts and uh, creditors. And uh, so, yeah, uh, Ada spent her childhood in this place and she spent a rather secluded and lonely childhood. Why? Because Annabella was paranoid. Annabella thought that Byron might want to kidnap the child. She was their only, his only legitimate child. And so she was really uh, suspicious of servants, and she wanted to protect Ada from Byron's influence, either physical, that is, she wanted to protect her from meeting him, but also mental, because she thought that she had to stamp down the potential Byron family madness in her, and therefore forbade her to do anything that was related to poetry and imagination. Um, she, Ada actually read literature, uh, certainly not her father's much later in her life. But Annabella was also a, a kind of um, very well-educated woman. She was herself an accomplished mathematician, and so she decided, in fact, Byron called her the princess of parallelograms. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind, actually. So she decided, okay, Ada has to learn, she has to be educated in maths, sciences, French, and logic. And she did. Uh, she had a really strict plan. Annabella was a total control freak and had devised actually a system of tickets, of punishments and rewards for Ada. And, but Ada actually loved maths, and since the age of eight, she decided that was her thing. With clamping down the imagination, it didn't quite work because Ada began to 
get interested in the dynamics of flight. And so she began to want to understand how wings were built and what kind of muscular structure you needed if you were a human being who wanted to fly. She began to draw flying machines like Leonardo and Mama responded, oh, and she had actually written to her mother who was often on spas because she needed to be cured, wrote to her mother about her daydreaming experiences of flights in which she explained that the machines that she invented actually could work on her and could develop wings and fly. So Mama responded with new mass tutors <laughs> and governesses. Ada um, hated the governesses. There were at one point three that were called the Three Furies. And uh, there is a whole really sad uh, aspect of her life with her mother, which is recorded by the son of the mathematician Mary Somerville, a common friend, who was her first biographer. And basically, Annabella sounds like Kafka's father, essentially, really terrible. So for example, at one point, uh, so you can imagine why flyology, this science that Ada invented for herself, might be, kind of a way of escaping. Uh, <laughs> and she did escape once with her math tutor, a kind of swashbuckling young man. Uh, she eloped with him, but they were found immediately in the next, um, next door pub. And that prompted actually Ada's mother later on to provide a certificate of virginity, which said that Everything has happened except penetration. So that was fine. <laughs> she could go on and marry. So Ada became very ill. Her uh, health was very fragile, maybe because of what was going on at home. And she actually, in 1829, she fell sick and was bedridden for three years. It's not clear what she had, probably initially measles and then maybe polio and then we don't know. But she continued studying maths. And as soon as she basically got better, her mother began to make pressure because it was okay that she was getting all this education that all women at the time uh, could dream of, but she still had to marry. And she had to marry an aristocrat of ancient descent. The title should have been no younger than, no more recent than 100 years. So um, she was presented at court in 1833 and married in 1835, uh, William Baron King, who was actually very supportive of her studies, thank God, uh, with whom she had three children, but the marriage didn't really work because he was also joining Annabella in controlling her. But, um, before she married, she actually, so this is her uh, after marriage. Uh, actually, people made fun of her. They said that she wasn't very well dressed, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure what the standards were. <laughs> I, I would like a dress like that. Um, and a neck. So in 1833, she visited with her mother the salon, a soiree of 
Charles Babbage. He was a celebrity at the time. He had written a really important book on the economy of industrial machines. He had the Lucasian Chair of Mathematics at Cambridge, he was a mathematician. He was also involved with politics, but he was a celebrity. His soirees were attended by Darwin, Tennyson, Harriet Martineau, Florence Nightingale, Faraday, Dickens, the astronomer couple Herschel, and Lady Byron and Ada. And what happened in 1833 is that Ada started her lifelong friendship with Charles Babbage. She was flabbergasted by this prototype. So Babbage was working on a machine which Ada and Lady Byron initially called the thinking machine, but actually was called the difference engine. Here is uh, version number one. He'd been working on it for about 15 years, but had only built a little piece of it because it was just too difficult. And the British government had given him a huge, huge grant. In fact, by the end of the whole project, which actually never happened, uh, they gave him the equivalent of two battleships. <laughs> yeah. But he was cranky because he never actually built the machine and they stopped giving him money. He wasn't happy. Okay, so what, what was so peculiar about this machine? Well, this was supposed to be the first automatic calculator in which the human hand would only be useful for just pulling this lever, but all the calculations so, or in the four basic operations were, uh, would be done by the machine. And in Babbage's idea, the machine should also be able to print those tables of logarithms so that you would save a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of mistakes. And those were very useful to scientists, engineers, astronomers, and sailors. So uh, that's why the British government was so keen, and everybody else was working on this, but nobody had actually got that far. This is how the machine works. It's columns of cogwheels, and each cogwheel has teeth, uh, each tooth corresponds to a number, and they are in series of 10, so it uses the decimal system, and it is able to carry the results of one operation up and to the side. It's an amazing machine, but what Babbage didn't realize is that the technology to build all these cogwheels, and they had to be perfect, did not exist, so it took ages and a lot of money to make just a little part, and in the meantime, when Babbage sort of got through one idea, he left it, he abandoned it, and started with a new one. And that's where Ada comes in. Why? Because when they met, Babbage was already kind of disheartened with this difference engine. He had already produced or thought about three versions, and he thought that actually there was something more to that. He thought, why stop at a calculator that just tabulates polynomial functions and trigonometric functions, but just at a minimal level, and why not think of another machine, a proper computer? 
And for us, it's just, um, it doesn't say much, but uh, for the time, it was really an achievement. And that's where Ada stepped in. Why? Because in spite of the fact that Annabella tried to clamp her imagination, that's where, imagi where her imagination exploded in mathematics. So what happens? And, and that's also, I thought, the very interesting aspect of the Industrial Revolution is that it's not only it's not only that it helped people making things in a different way, but it also gave people ideas on how to make new things, on how to create new stuff that did not exist before. So they begin together to correspond and think about this machine for years. And one thing that, this is a model of the machine that was never realized. This is the difference engine number two with a printer of the tabulations. They thought of a technique that was used in the textile industry, the punch cards of the Jacquard loom that was invented in south of France at the beginning of the century. Ada and her mother, actually really pioneering, went on a, an industrial tour of north of England to look at all these machines, and they were really happy. Lady Byron also writes a lot about them. And the idea was, okay, so what, what does this stuff do? <laughs> These cards communicate information to a machine and tells it when to lift or lower the needles to produce these very complicated patterns. And so Ada thought, okay, so if you can communicate information to machines in this way, that's what we can use to communicate to our machine, the new analytical engine. And, and then she thought, actually, the analytical engine should not just be fed information and numbers, which were two different things, but also punch the cards themselves, store them somewhere, so have a memory that can be accessed later on. So essentially, this machine should have had a store capable of building 1,000 numbers of 40 digits each. You see, when I'm getting into numbers, it's terrible. Uh, so the memory should have been about 16 kilobytes. And there should be an arithmetic unit called the mill, which would be able to perform all the basic operations, plus comparisons, square roots, and powers. And so that's what uh, they were thinking about. In 1842, Babbage went to Italy and gave a lecture in Turin about this analytical engine. This was all in his mind, and it's Anna's mind. There was nothing of it, just drawings and ideas on paper and some cogwheels. So Luigi Menabrea, who was the professor of engineering at Turin and will be a prime minister in Italy, was really fascinated by this and published a paper in French about it. Uh, it came out in an obscure Swiss journal and Ada decided to translate it. But she didn't only translate it, actually she appended seven huge explanatory notes and this is what her legacy, this is what we have from her, it's the only thing. They are twice as long as the paper. <laughs> and, uh, and what she does in these notes, she tells us, uh, describes how the machine should operate and carry out its functions. She gave some groundbreaking equations to calculate complex sequences of numbers, for example, as shown here, the Bernoulli numbers. These equations haven't been made by anybody else yet. 
Also, though, what she does is she clarifies and theorizes the distinction between data and processing, which is at the basis of modern computing, apparently. Uh, <laughs> That's what people told me. Uh, and she separated mathematics from something else that she didn't yet know would become the science of computing. But also, she suggested that this machine could also, and I quote here, supposing, for instance, that the fundamental relations of pitched sounds in the science of harmony and of musical composition were successful, to such expression and adaptations, so to be turned into formulas and equations and algorithms, the engine might compose, elaborate, and scientific pieces of music of any degree of complexity and extent. Yeah, I mean, please, sorry. Uh, however, nobody really, people thought she and Babbage were mad, were raving mad. And I, I was really surprised to find that in, still in scholarship today, the, there are two opposite camps. Some people think that she was a genius, that she was the software programmer, whereas Babbage was the hardware guy. And some people say, no, she didn't do anything. She was just raving mad. And anyway, the notes have been written by him. Uh, it's true that they kept on bouncing back and forth, but obviously they are hers. Unfortunately, this machine was never built because as you can see, this would have required a ballroom to host and a steam engine to make it work. It was too complicated and too difficult, and Babbage was very bitter about it, but Ada kept on thinking about it, actually until the end of her life, when she um, died of uterine cancer very, uh, after a long, long illness. I like to think uh, of her later years also from another perspective, namely that Apparently, she, uh, the barren madness came back and she lost a lot of money in the late, last years of her life on horse races. <laughs> and apparently, she and uh, Babbage were, had a secret correspondence about <laughs> developing an algorithm <laughs> to <laughs> crack horse <laughs> bets. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because she also started experimenting with drugs, uh, cannabis, and she was as serious Victorians are opium eater, right? Uh, before she fell sick. Um, so she also was also one of those that didn't do things as you do as a lady. Uh, she also disproved what one of our tutors wrote one of our tutors wrote to her mother and her husband when he was tutoring her, teaching her, saying, you know, she's a genius. She will push the boundaries of mathematics, but this will just destroy her body and mind because the body of a woman cannot stand the pressure of mathematics. <laughs> yeah, he was wrong. Um, <laughs> So she became an icon. In 1979, the US Department of Defense developed a software to unite 
various different programming languages and named it Ada. By the way, Alan Turing built his computer by reading her notes, so he believed in her. In 2009, we have the first Ada Lovelace Day to promote the achievements and to make people aware of the achievement of women in science. Uh, this is the logo of this year's uh, Ada Lovelace Day. And this is the logo of the Ada Lovelace project, uh, which takes part with various German universities. So she's a kind of, more than a century later, after her death, uh, she's become a kind of icon. And this is what Francis Ford Coppola's winery uh, did with these icons. So we have the Great Women Spirits series. Two mathematicians, Maria Gaetana Agnesi, she was the first professor of mathematics in Bologna, Ada Lovelace, and Countess Valeska. Uh, I think we should send, actually, the winery a list of dead ladies and see what kind of spirits <laughs> they will produce. It would be interesting. So, my presentation is finished, and I just <laughs> want to... Um, I, I use these three books for my research. They're really great. One is Ada's Algorithm by James Essinger, which is a very learned biography. This is a documenta booklet, which explains, which has lots of original pictures of her work. And this is great. This is a steampunk graphic novel with lots of scientific information, which I really recommend by Sidney Padua. Thank you very much. Oh, the name is The Thrilling Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage. Yeah. Thank you. That was Curiati on Ada, or Ada Lovelace. If you'd like to see some pictures of Ada and of Babbage's magnificent machines, check out the show notes for this episode on our website, deadladyshow.com. Be sure to listen to the rest of our Frank and Frauen series, including author Mary Shelley, her mother, the philosopher and feminist Mary Wollstonecraft, and Elsa Lanchester, iconoclastic star of stage and screen, perhaps best known for her role as the Bride of Frankenstein. Our theme song is Little Lily Swing by Tritachion, which you can find on SoundCloud, along with all episodes of the Dead Lady Show podcast. Follow us at Dead Lady Show or drop us a line to info at deadladyshow.com. Our Frankenfrauen miniseries is partly supported by Bard College Berlin, which featured Frankenstein in their project Eine Uni, Ein Buch, One School, One Book, this year. That initiative received support from the Stifterverband and the Klaus Schirer Stiftung. You can find more about Bard College Berlin at their website, berlin.bard.edu. Thanks to Laura, Katie, and Florian, and to all of you for joining us. I'm Susan Stone. Stone.